I'm Paulette. And I'm Whitney. And we're sharing the stories of Black women. Beyond boundaries and borders. Through our journeys and triumphs. This world is ours. Hey, Whitney. Hey, Paulette. How's it going? It is going fine. I'm in a place where I have a lot going on, so I'm like... But actually, I met with my therapist yesterday. We hadn't met in like... Mm, two months because i was like girl i got a lot to say two months <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's been a yeah but as we were talking and i was talking about how like even though there are a lot of demands right now like on my time mm-hmm. i was like this is how i'm navigating through it she's like okay, girl. yeah <laughs> yeah and so even with the demands of life i still think that it's happening. I, I, you know, I say this all the time. I pray every day for peace. And I feel like I'm still at peace and mm-hmm. I'm navigating the days, like doing the best I can. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I have. I hear that. Nice. How are you? I am actually exhausted. I'm not going to lie, but, but I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah. I am um, adapting to the seasons changing. As I said to you last time we spoke. I got my, oh, I can't even grab it because V has decided it's her thing and she's left me with it. Basically, taking it away, sorry. But basically, it's a um lamp. Uh-huh. And it, like, has, it, like, wakes up slowly. Like, it's meant to, like, wake you up slowly. Okay. Remember I told you I didn't really know what the sad lamp was, but that's what it is. Right. It's, like, a lamp that when the alarm goes off and also yeah. there's some, like, nature noises and it, like... I just want you to know that you're fancy. I mean, I'm not even sure if it's working yet. I'm going to have to let you know. Oh. <laughs> okay, can we get a review later? December. 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 I'll let you know if but it's working. But that's the real thing, though, with the season changing, is especially, like, here the time will change soon. And that's no joke. Like, that's seasonal. There's some people say seasonal depression so and things like it's dark. real. Yeah. it's just so dark you wake up and it's like dark at 7 a.m and you leave work and it's dark that's tough so yeah but um aside from that there were some exciting things happening just generally like you know like little little things change things so i'm good overall okay i'm glad to hear that and now for a girl yes you can moment well I know right I'm saying like it's about to be good so no but my girl yes you can this month is about like I'm purging like I'm trying to get rid of stuff still as Mm -hmm. I look around this room that I'm in there's so much stuff in here like Mm -hmm. I went through okay I'm natural I went Mm -hmm. through my hair care products like beauty products and was like girl you gotta Mm -hmm. go okay (laughs) And I'm trying why to purge. There's so many. I don't, why do I have do 15 it. shampoos? And I rarely actually wash my own hair. So, but why? There's so many. Somebody's oh my gosh. So then I have so much. Like, you would think I am a MUA makeup and I do nothing. Okay. <laughs> like, your kid. <laughs> I saw a picture the other day. I said, why do I see lines from the concealer I thought I blended? <laughs> like, it's, I'm like, I don't even understand why I have all these products when I don't even use them. So, because you yeah. know why we have all the products? Because 
was V says, a cause. <laughs> a cause. <laughs> we want to, I think it's an aspiration, isn't it? It's like an aspiration that one day I will contour and highlight and conceal. That day might come, Whitney, when you want to go somewhere and someone's like, you don't have a bronzer. You'll be like, oh man, I don't have a bronzer. <laughs> I better have a matte setting powder because, and it needs to be translucent. What? But mm-hmm. the other thing is, even with that, I'm also not adding, I'm not purchasing things this month. That's been tough. Oh, like, I'm not purchasing clothes. I'm purchasing food, you know what I'm saying? But like yeah, I didn't buy any, I haven't bought any like new clothes or shoes, like not even like the little items. That's good. And I've seen some cute shoes, and I'm like, mm-mm, because you got you have you got shoes at home. You got you got shoes at home. Your mom got we got food at home. You got shoes at home. You know what I bought yesterday, which I didn't even like. She was like, I'm over this. I'm not even promoting anymore. But I bought a, 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 a an Ivy Park old beanie a black beanie you know oh, like the last the last drop yeah, yeah it's cute I mean I would say it's the only thing that was available but also the only thing I was willing to spend money on it <laughs> did, did Beyonce drop the perfume yeah I saw that but did you see the comments underneath people were like Beyonce you've had enough said, we don't have money. any more money you know I believe I'm gonna get but I can't get it this month because I'm not buying things but it's I don't know I want to smell it first don't you want to smell it don't you want to smell it first? Well, that's what somebody else said. They said, Beyonce, I don't even care what it smells like. I'm buying it because you're selling it. I saw that, but I was like, Mm-mm, I'm very funny about my perfume. <laughs> I need yeah, to and, and I also have allergies that are really bad. Well, go. So, so I really probably should not. Um, yeah, that's a whole other story. But yeah, so that's that's my girl, yes, you can this month. Girl, yes, you can not buy because you're purging. And girl, yes, you can get rid of books. <gasps> Books like Paulette. I'm not. I don't support this. <laughs> Where you gone? Why are you getting rid of books? I have too many. It's I'm not on a book ban, but I got too many. <laughs> it makes me sad giving away books. I do it so so reluctantly. Like I can't. I can't handle it. But no fear, sweetheart. I still have a million. <laughs> so mm-mm. tell me about your yes, you can. My girl, yes, you can, is, yes, you can expand your network. So I have recently um, joined a a board for a charity. Oh. And through that, you know, I met, just start meeting people. Like I met a couple of people that were in my field, but like a different part of it. So they're in education charities. They help to launch and develop education charities, but you know, like how we typically develop our education charities or organize nonprofit organizations from a very like grassroots perspective. And like we're like super passionate and like I think all that's very important. But sometimes, and I don't know if it's, it's the same in the States actually, I feel like you guys might be a little bit more strategic, but I think sometimes you get so caught up in that that you forget that it's also a business, like, you know, yeah. and so these guys come from it, come at it from a very different angle because I don't think, well, they've got their stories, but their stories maybe aren't the same as our stories. So like, yeah. and they, they just come at it from like a business perspective and 
it's been great having conversations with them about just changing my view a little bit and thinking a little bit more strategically and the how you know because I feel like for most things you can google it now we're in a great um era where you can just look things up but actually um there's a piece in between that on like how you apply things doesn't translate to the how to though it doesn't always does it and it's Mm -hmm. like so having conversations to fill that gap has been like really really helpful there's been um a couple of guys and a woman as well that um kind of like work friends with <laughs> and she's oh, been helping me too it. so yeah it's really cool not you out here with new friends well let's not push it okay okay colleagues okay. colleagues and acquaintances okay. yeah acquaintances. people <laughs> that i know people i know yeah i don't make friends easy do you make friends easily i have this thing about me where i don't know that i always will say that the person is my friend i'm a friendly person so I think some people kind of get, I, I don't know if I give off the wrong idea. Like we're probably not, but this doesn't mean that I want to like come to your next thing. I just talked to you while we were here and I was really friendly. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that this is going to continue. So that's a balance for me though. Yeah. Yep. My brother, my younger brother, he's always like, Oh yeah, I met someone who feels like they're your best friend, but I've never even heard you talk about him. I was like, <laughs> "That's on me. That's on me." Because I talked to them at that event, like, "Oh my god," and I meant it. It's Let's genuine. Go for cocktails. It's genuine. <laughs> I don't even say that because I know me. I don't even go that far. So you know, like the top five strengths, the Clifton Strengths Finder, whatever it's called. It's something we do in the states. It's, it's oh, like yeah, the, yeah, the strip. Yeah, 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 I've got the book. Yeah, yeah. So I have Woo as one of mine. So winning others over there means I like being in, you know, I'll work the room. But then I have Relator as my top five. So I really value my close relationships and friendships. So oh, right. it's kind of like they kind of bump heads at times where I love mm-hmm. deep conversations. But I, you know, I, I I meet people and I can have, but then I'm like, but I got to go back to my real, my, my friends. <laughs> my actual friend my actual friend <laughs> so I that's so funny that. I was talking to a lady recently who was talking about she was and this is an older lady so she was talking about how uh, she and this one lady were friends and when the lady passed on some of the lady's other friends wanted to be her friend she's like no we were never wait, wait, friends it doesn't work like that I was only your friend because <laughs> of her <laughs> like so no we have to talk so yeah you are a people person that's how we ended up at their bar in because <laughs> i'm like hey this would this would never have happened you otherwise with me. you want to be my friend friendish, friend-ish? <laughs> right but no now we're friends right right I, I say it confidently after your i know speech. you're not like she's not my colleague anymore <laughs> question right so what are your views since today we're going to be talking about education i was just interested in your views on private education and like would you privately educate your child or children if one day you have them so i was thinking i'm a public school girly like Mm. reared all through public school um but i do have a degree from a private institution like on the higher ed side Mm-hmm. And I, I think about it often because I, I do care deeply about like public education. 
And I want to always feel like I'm an advocate for public education, which makes me feel like I have to put my kids in public schools. Um, I, I see the, and I see and I hear and I understand people who choose to do differently, but I just really want to still believe in public schools. Now, all mm-hmm. that may go down the drain. Once I have a kid, I'm like, yeah, you go to <laughs> private school. But I want to feel like it's not. Like, I know. I schools, if I'm fine. I turned out fine. I like, survived. Yeah. And I, I also, know. I mean, private school is very expensive. And I feel like what I, I, I do know that I would make a sacrifice for my kids to get what they, what they need. But in my mind and in my heart, it's like, well, why can't that happen at a public school? But they also would challenge me because am I going to move to a certain place because I want my kids to go to a certain public school mm-hmm. that may feel more like a, you know what I'm saying? Like, or would I move anywhere and just say my kid is going to go to the neighborhood school? I wouldn't. Yeah. There's different levels, isn't there, to like mm-hmm. that strategy as well. So currently I'm looking for primary schools for V. And I was saying to my friend the other day, like, there's so many different levels to it. Like, there's a level where, you know, you might know what the local school is and put your child there. So the process here is you have to choose up to five schools that you would love for your child to go to. Um, And basically, the local authority just decides for you. So it's kind of like you have a choice, but you don't have a choice. I don't know. They, They wouldn't call it a lottery, no. But like... That within the, the actual process, there are people that get priority. So, for example, if there's a sibling at the school, they'll have priority. If it's a church school, those who are christened or whatever will have priority. So it's like there are levels. And also if you've got special education needs. Um, but, yeah, with aside outside of even that, there's like people who know about the local schools. Fine, you're going to put down the schools. People who um, are in the know and know which are the good schools locally might put the better ones higher and then people who are um who you know go on the website and look at this mammoth spreadsheet that the the local authority has put on the website which kind of calculates the furthest distance that the school you're interested in has admitted a child so even for you to kind of gauge your chances of them even getting in so it's just like for me it's kind of like it just emphasizes or kind of illustrates the level of privilege or your understanding of the education system to get them into a decent yeah. school um when it comes to private school I don't know I, I think I'm I'm now quite open to it not so much um, primary school but secondary education I just think it is too much of a lottery it does feel like that even though they wouldn't call it that it just feels like it's completely out of your, the parents control really especially yeah. when house prices are so high rent is so high even if you wanted to live next to like you said next to a good school even that's unlikely so yeah I was look when I looked up like there's a private school here in my area that if I were to pick a private school it would probably be that one mm-hmm. it's, it's like $25,000 a year it's mad it is mad and so i'm like public school's looking real good um Mm. and then you know we're having a lot of conversations here about school choice now Mm -hmm. and like uh voucher programs to where if you could take a voucher and send your kid wherever i also think that that what does that mean i don't understand what do you mean take a voucher 
like if they offer these vouchers and I wanted to be able to use it for me to take my kids to a private school and I could use that towards schooling. Oh, it's, it's a very complex. I imagine it is. Yeah. It's it's so complex because in my heart and my mind, and I know today's conversation is about education. If you want to just, just jump into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, here in the States, how we fund our schools, like our public schools is through like property taxes and state allocations, all these different buckets of money that go into funding our schools. Mm-hmm. And we know property taxes are higher in some areas, which mm-hmm. tend to have um, more, you know, better funded schools. But it's like, okay, so does that mean that kids in zip codes and areas where they have less, fun, like, should they have less? It feels like the state should step in and say, okay, we're still going to fund our schools in a way where no matter where you live, mm-hmm. you can get a quality education mm-hmm. um, or have a quality school. Because I, I do believe, but then we have a lot of called charter schools, which are still public schools. Yeah, we have an equivalent to those. So we have okay. ac- academies. So mm-hmm. they're, yeah, they are state schools. So you're equivalent of yeah. what is a public school. Funnily enough, our public schools are extremely, extremely high fee schools. <laughs> so like they're called public or private schools. But yeah, our state schools, um, there is like your um, local authority maintained school, but then you also have um, academies. And these are like schools that are part of, they can be part of like a federation. Mm-hmm. And then they have multiple schools that have that name, a similar name. Yeah. And they get a lot of like corporate funding or like other funding from elsewhere. Um, right. But there are so many if issues. Some corporate person is also getting money because they own the school. You know? yeah. It's very, it's very dodgy. And also I think it's similar to what I've read about charter schools in terms of the culture at those schools. So like they're very much like um, so focused on academic attainment that if your child isn't cutting it, basically, they're likely to get isolated or or excluded in some way, shape or form. They don't want them to mess up their their league table. Um, And I remember a school, was it a school in Chicago? I feel like it was a charter school where every year they boast about all of their kids going to like top universities or whatever but I actually went to Chicago and I spoke to like an educator was doing some research and he was like yeah that's because they kick the kids out (laughs) if they're not if they're not achieving only the kids that are achieving and going to college will stay there's some cities now where honestly like public education like traditional public school is so dismal like to where charter schools have really taken over like Mm -hmm. in some cities like a New York, New York, like mm-hmm. that charter school system, really that's the neighborhood schools at this point that kids are. Mm. If you, you know, but I was going to ask this, break down for me, like what does, I know you said primary school, secondary school, like walk me through, like when do you, you start, like here we have, mm. here, like what's the. So V now she's three, she's in, um, private nursery but I could also have sent her to um the state maintained nursery so that's when they start is like three in nursery then next year she'll be going to um she'll start primary school that starts at four and um she'll be in reception 
um and then there reception yeah I don't know it's like your first year of primary school before you start year one and then she'll be in primary school I should really google this to get the exact ages but I think she'll be in primary school she's about 10 and I start secondary school around 10 11 then you're in secondary school until you're well technically 16 is when you do your GCSEs and then um, you have two more years of study at college what we call college um, or sixth form and at year 13 you finish your compulsory education and then you can go on to if you want further education you'd go on to university university you, okay so let's compare go on, go on. yeah <laughs> i always think I about like this yeah some people have been asking about this episode for a long time like just wanting to hear about the differences of education so i'm excited that we're doing it so here i'll say there's been a lot of focus around that zero to three because mm-hmm. um, there's also been some challenges around reading for kids once they're in like up to third grade reading levels and all that ensuring kids are on grade level mm-hmm. uh, but there's been a lot there's a shift to some focus and funding around supporting that zero to three like ages zero to three when kids are just taking in words like how many words a kids should consume so so in yeah. zero to three what are they doing are they in a setting or do they have to be in a setting or like when do they have so to they go? don't have to be in a setting but that's mm. the thing like let's say like a kid like me uh at a certain age i was at my grandmother's house until a certain age because my mm-hmm. grandmother felt like she was the best caregiver for me right mm-hmm. which she was you know mm-hmm. but it's assuming too, like, what are all the other factors for kids who aren't getting access to all the words and things that mm. other, like, uh, there's research that shows like a kid who has been exposed to, I forgot what the, it's like 20,000 yeah. words versus 3,000, whatever. Yeah. Um, and how that impacts them. Entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I would say if a kid starts, some kids start in six weeks, like in a daycare, at least, like some type of child care facility. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my parents are at work. But then a lot of the more funded things may start to have pre K three what they call so you may start similar to the starting mm-hmm. the third grade you can go to like a, a public program and depending on where you live that determines if it's full day half day or if it's free if i was gonna say did i have to pay or is it like some, some places you definitely have to pay or you have to qualify to get the free i think cause um, is similar yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you start kindergarten at age five here so that's our kindergarten so then Mm. you know kinder through and this may change depending on the the city you live in so i'll use fort worth for example um fort worth elementary is k through five like so kindergarten through fifth grade and then Mm. you go to middle school which is like sixth grade through six through uh eighth grade and then you go on to high school, which is ninth through twelfth. So when you talked about like that two years, sixteen, you finish high mm-hmm. school. Co- we call we still call it all that high school. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Here in Fort Worth, at least, something that I think is a challenge is because in the eighth grade they're asking kids to pick a track, um, right? And they're they're calling it like your program of choice. So do you want to go do culinary? Do you want to do cosmetology? Do you want to do, um ally health do you want to do this whatever it is and kids it's like do you really know what you want to do in eighth grade i was gonna say so what age is that then 
So that's, oh, how old are you in eighth grade? Maybe 13, 14? Oh, stress. Right? And yeah, so even yeah. parents having enough information to help kids make informed choices. But mm. we also have schools that are, I mean, they actually are like a lottery. They say they're a lottery. They have other factors that come in. But even trying to get your kid into certain schools all the way through can be a challenge. And then from 12th grade is when you graduate high school and you could pick college or career pathways. And um, Oh. Yeah, so you may go to college or you may choose a career. But there's still a lost, it's a lost art. Like, do you want to go military? Like, what do you want to do? And a lot of kids get to 12th grade and they still don't quite know what they want to do. So mm. that's like overall just of how we go through the sequence mm. of our education here and then college is traditionally like a four-year but we have two-year colleges too mm-hmm. where you get an associate's degree or you go to a four-year college and you can get a bachelor's degree yeah so for us our um, degrees are typically three years so our undergraduate will be three years sometimes you'll do like a four-year course but it will include a master's or a placement year if you decided to take a year out and go into industry. Okay. Um, but I find it interesting. One thing I do find interesting is like your military recruitment, which I think is a bit more aggressive than ours. <laughs> yeah. I'm always Very surprised at how many black people. To... Well, no, no, no. Not even just like the way oh. to get in. I mean, like the, oh, the outreach. Got it. <laughs> Um, it does exist here, but honestly, I don't know. I don't personally know anyone that's been in the army, but I know of at least three people that I have connections with in the states that I have are in or have been to the army, and that's yeah. crazy to me. Like, that's not my immediate circle. <laughs> yeah, I have a family of people who served in the. My daddy served in the military. I have mm. cousins who, like, retired from the military, like, did twenty plus years of service. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's become a pathway for people who may want to go into their career, but they want that structured environment of like where I, this is me. Obviously I didn't go to the military, <laughs> but I think it's less of like, I want to serve my country versus mm. I see this as a viable career option. I don't think yeah. it's like America the beautiful. I really don't. No, the one of the people that I know he's there and he's like got a very structured plan like his plan is really clear he's in property he's like he's establishing himself whilst he's doing and then he also he wanted to be a pilot so he's doing that as well but like he's he's like counting down the years until he can retire and basically almost like get on with his life you know um I have a little cousin who went straight into the navy she could have went college wherever and maybe we'll have her on the show because um Mm -hmm. She's getting ready to leave. She's doing her four years in the Navy, but she had a plan in mm. place. How she, her dad was in the Navy. Like, so she has a plan in place of how um, she wants to, to navigate that. But I what, guess it is a good option. Thinking about education. Did you have black teachers? Like, <laughs> in your schools? Do you know I what? I just some white British lady teaching you. I don't know. There were many of them. Many. Yeah. Um, but I was really fortunate that I did because I grew up in um like black areas, like where there were a high number of black people, full stop. So I was fortunate enough to have quite a few black teachers actually. Um and I remember in my secondary school, so black that they took a group of kids to Jamaica <laughs> on a trip. But actually yeah. black. Black and so yeah I I feel really fortunate that like we had it was a terrible school like really bad 
Um, but we had black teachers advocating for us and we had, you know, people that were really trying to push certain things like black history, like they'd bring mm-hmm. community leaders in and community educators in to like um, give classes, but obviously you had to stay at lunchtime. So like half of us would be like, I ain't staying for that. Like, <laughs> but it's like, but it is that idea of it being like this additional thing that you, t- okay, you want to yeah. learn about your culture. Okay. Stay in at lunchtime then. But yeah, when I tell people about the trip to Jamaica, I didn't go, but Serene, you know, Serene that was on here um, before she went with the group. And I just, I look, look back on that and I still think it was, even though I didn't get the opportunity to go, it's amazing. Sounds like you're saying, tell me if I'm wrong, like it wasn't mm-hmm. a part of your curriculum where you got to understand like Black history. It was always something additional. Like, or did you in your history classes, English, you know, in their various courses where you talking mm-hmm. about Black things and Black people? Uh, right. So the interesting thing about that was also that any Black history was specifically slavery. So... Mm-hmm. Or when they did try to branch out from that, it would be notable African-Americans. Okay. So it's kind of like, well, now, and I, I do believe, I mean, there were black people in Britain before the Windrush, before the 70s. But like, I do think that um, because that's not really spoken of that much and there isn't, it was it was definitely wasn't highlighted at that time. Um there, there didn't seem like there was much history. Like we were history, we were making history at that time. Right, <laughs> you know I mean? right, right. Or our parents were the history at right. that time. So like now I think it's a lot better. And there are lots of initiatives. There's one called the Black Curriculum and like loads of projects highlighting Black British history. But at the time I was at school, no, there wasn't any. And what was really key for particularly Caribbean, Black Caribbean people was supplementary schools. So we would have like, Saturday schools that were run mm. by people in the community. So I went to Saturday school, um, one that was at the Claudia Jones Centre in Stoke Newington. And like, it was just a chance for you to obviously learn a bit of English, a bit of maths, but then also about your culture and history and stuff. Right. So, but all additional stuff. How about you? Um, I'll say I grew up in a rural town though. So I definitely think anything that we were consuming was from, I had black teachers, um, but I had a lot of white teachers. Like it was predominantly, mm. definitely a white school. It's a white farming town. I, this sounds like Little House on the Prairie. It is not like Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> okay, jump uh, up. <laughs> I was like, why does this sound a white farming town? It was not like Little House on the Prairie. It was like, you know, whatever. The two thousand version of that. Anyways, um, <laughs> I had black teachers that were surrounding me too like even if they weren't my teachers Mm. I still knew black people in that system so I was thinking about this like I use this sometimes in training when I'm talking to people about like historic like timelines so I often feel like as far as what we were taught we kind of went through black people arrived here and they were enslaved to then Martin Luther King had a dream. I'm like, something mm-hmm, else happened. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like it's, it's very interesting. It's like, dang, yeah. you went from being enslaved to Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And it was like very targeted in that way. But what I later began to understand specifically about my town, I think I've talked about this before. Like my parents were educated in the same town. Um, 
And my dad specifically went to the all black school because it was during segregation. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to the uh what was the white school until seventh grade. Mm-hmm. But I grew up with my parents having what was called a Rosenwald school reunion. So Rosenwald was like a rich white man who would partner with black communities to help start schools. And so they okay. were named and so there, there's a number of Rosenwald schools across the, the country really throughout the South, mainly. But mm-hmm. anyway, I grew up with them going to the Rosenwald School Reunion. And I was like, oh, why are they coming back to this little bitty town? You live in Chicago and <laughs> St. Louis and Cal- all these places. But I realized, like, I'm like, that was their oasis. Like, that was their place where they had Black teachers, Black principals, Black, mm-hmm. Black to be Black. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. also their only option, but they were educated well. And they had great and amazing teachers. Then once desegregation happened, a lot of the teachers weren't able to teach at the white schools because they didn't hire them. Or I know, for example, my daddy's principal at his school became the home ec teacher at the white school. Wow. Like, so she didn't have access to right. the same level of leadership. That So I was in that same. And then so here in the States, Brown versus Board of Education, mm-hmm. like 1954. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even where I'm from in Arkansas, the Little Rock Nine, which was one of the first schools in the South to to desegregate, like children desegregating mm-hmm. schools, was like 1957. But the small town that I'm from, like they didn't start integrating schools until like it was in the 1960s, like late 1960s. So I'm like, okay, let's imagine Brown versus Board of Education happened in 1954. This town that I'm from, they didn't start integrating until over 10 years later. Mm. They, they left it up to the, the local schools to decide how you integrate it. I'm yeah. like, so I can only imagine going to that school. You, They didn't want you to come because yeah. they, they wanted to integrate schools. But I still saw remnants of that once I was in that same school. Mm-hmm. That like, is so um, interesting. Of how that played out. like, And knowing that my parents went to school with my friend, like that means that their parents were the people who, you know, yeah (laughs) intense no it's similar you know because when over here like when a lot of my parents generation came over to education to be educated here Mm -hmm. um they were put in special education Mm -hmm. classes because they had an accent and we can see the legacy of that today in terms of the number of black students who are diagnosed with special education needs or put into just separated from the rest of the school in some way shape or form or even more extreme put into pupil referral units which means you're not in the school setting anymore you're in a what we call a pru and you're basically on your way to jail Mm. unless someone intervenes or you know so um yeah it's really interesting that they were like I always see like these parallels it's it's the same but different it's like you know the overall kind of like ways of excluding us ways of separating us ways of kind of I don't know interfering with the education is still there but they just play out in different ways don't they yeah I, I mean even for me when I started kindergarten like I think that so first of all my school was really small like 20 kids in my whole grade like not per class like the whole grade was 20 kids wow but when I first started school and I didn't know obviously I didn't notice at the time but my mother and brother have told me the story like they wanted to put me in a self-contained class because they had too many kids so they were going to pick and I'm like 
What's a self-contained class? Like special education. Okay. They were calling it something else. Like they were saying like, oh, it's, they basically were trying to make smaller classes, but they were going to remove me from that class. Like one mm -hmm. of the few black kids in the class. And I'm like, but how did they determine like mm -hmm. how they were going to do it? Like, yeah. and it showed me that there was no reason for them. But my good old black mama was like, yeah. oh, why? Because yeah. my child doesn't need those services. So why would you? Why, and why mm -hmm. would I let you? Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that's the challenge, too, when you think about um, um, how black kids are still over, overly represented in those. Yeah, overly represented in those spaces when. Like some of, like I have a, a godson who actually has dyslexia, but he was, they would always talk about him having behavioral problems, mm -hmm. but come to find out he actually had dyslexia and the teachers weren't dealing with him in the way that they should, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to help support him in a learning environment. They're like, oh, well, we should just do this. We'll put him on a computer. Well, ma'am, yeah. help me understand. So I think it's, it's, it continues to show like, Yeah. And, and it's evolving, like, like who is it that says racism evolves, doesn't it? So it's kind yeah. of like, okay, our gen our parents' generation, or maybe not yours because your parents are educators, but, like, maybe there's that whole idea of, like, not really understanding the system. Okay, now we understand the systems. We tr we're trying to ed um, advocate for our children. Okay, right. but no, 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 now they've kind of changed the processes. And then, you know, I, it's just constantly this kind of, like, um, way of changing and evolving so that you can't keep up and it just tires you out basically yeah. um yeah I think about like so my grandmother who grew up in that same my grandmother didn't have beyond a third grade education she was like maybe one or two generations removed from the like formal period of enslavement we know enslavement was still happening across the U.S. but mm -hmm. she was in a rural town where she didn't have access to a school mm -hmm. as a black girl growing up she didn't have access to a school so she didn't have beyond a third grade education. I just think about those things. And even now, like resources for black kids in our schools. And if you don't understand this, and it's even if you're in the system, it's hard to understand the system. Like, yeah, because it changes. Yeah, it changes. And they change the game on you. Like, mm -hmm. it's like wait, I just saw you do this. For, like, how it changed when it got to me and me and my. Yeah. <laughs> and my, mine yeah, is, yeah. yeah. But it's. It's a very, um, so when you even asked that question earlier to kick us off around private school, I feel like that's a different battle to fight too, because I- It is, it is, yeah. Because putting your child in a, like a predominantly white environment as well, it doesn't, it's not exactly safe. <laughs> so it's kind of like determining which, you know, like, yeah, which battle as a parent you want to fight. I was talking to you before about the timeliness of us choosing this topic um leading roots had a hosted a book launch for um an academic named darren wallace who is actually caribbean i think he's jamaican and he was new york based or is new york based um but was here working for a while and his research is looking at black um caribbean students here in the uk specifically london and comparing them with black caribbean students in the states specifically new york so he picked okay. two schools one of each he noted that in the states black caribbean students often outperform other groups here in the uk we are always at the bottom really? of every measure going right this research for me is so so important because 
for a long time I've tried to work out why <laughs> it's bothered me too you know I've been like why is that because thinking about my family thinking about the people that I know like yeah of course there are people that aren't don't value education as much fair enough okay but all communities have people like that so it, of course as well racism but then here we have um a lot of uh, black African communities as well so and they don't do as bad as us so it's always mm-hmm. troubled me and Devin's research basically looks at a number of things so he's looking at like immigration patterns so the way in which black Caribbean people came to the UK is very different to their experience in the in the states right yeah. um, the timing of it so for um, when there was sort of mass migration um, to the states it was a time of kind of um civil rights so they were benefiting maybe from like things like affirmative action or just like a general you know change in in um like the landscape I guess whereas here um, when my parents came they were pretty much the first so they were dealing with you know signs that said no blacks no Irish no dogs on you know yeah. um bed and breakfast stores and stuff like that so I think it's um he noted that and he also noted um the legacy of kind of colonialism the idea that for a lot of um Caribbean people they felt welcomed by when we discussed this on the podcast before but because they felt welcomed by um Britain and like this was almost meant to be like a second home you know they weren't prepared for what was coming Whereas there was a lot of representation of, I guess, how bad the public school system was in the States. So, you know, Caribbean parents could go there and be like, hey, 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 (laughs) you know, (laughs) we're not doing that. We're not doing that. You know, they could be a bit more strict. we are doing. Right. And there were just so many other things that you spoke about. I would definitely recommend the book. It's called um, The Culture Trap. I thought that was really interesting. I think it is, and I would be looking at me asking him to extend his study. I would be curious too of like Black Americans who, and I and I know that there is research out there thinking about. Obviously, I was educated in the South, and a lot of my knowledge around education systems is like here in the South. But I think about how here, um, a lot of when we're talking about who's at the bottom is Black boys. Mm. um who are also overly disciplined in the schools mm. and uh, um and it's it's a challenge to and then there are black girls too who are I was going to say that <laughs> yeah the landscape he did mention that and that the landscape is changing and there's been a lot of research released here actually in the UK and mm-hmm. um, more recently about black girls and you know being cuz I think with black girls they also have to deal with issues around like adultification and like yeah. the perception that they aren't as you know soft and gentle as the white girls and you know they're more they should be they should know better for some reason right. you know um it's so when I'm eight. right 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 yes. um and they're seen as the aggressors so that is now having an impact on exclusion rates they're they're more more and more likely to be excluded from school um the school system here as well yeah yep I think education is such a uh it it can go so deep like like the complexities of education and education systems it covers every span of any type of ism exists within our 
education system, classism, racism, sexism, all of them. Are Class happening. is a huge one, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I think about even where in the community where I work, I know very amazing people who are working in the schools, working overtime to ensure kids have access to things to where for other schools it's like they don't have to work hard for their kids to get access to that because it already comes with funding to do it. Right. Um, I think it's, I just, I pray for teachers too, specifically in like the K-12 primary and secondary schools because some of the stuff I've been seeing on social media, oh my gosh. It's a different time. I like, could not be a are, teacher how are right teachers now. Paid there? Are teachers paid? Poorly. Poorly, okay. Yeah. Yeah, teachers are paid badly and I think it is a profession as well. I mean, there are black teachers, but there are very few. Like, I I would say way less than, <laughs> even proportionately than in the States. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know people who went into teaching and they just had an awful time, like dealing yeah. with racism and dealing with the usual. But um, yeah. over here, they've tried certain programs. So like, um, I think you guys have Teach America. Teach for America. Teach for America, right. We had something called Teach First, or I think it still exists. Very similar. So it's like people that come, high achievers, quote unquote, that come and work in inner city, again, quote unquote, schools. Um, and there was this documentary about Teach First here on, on BBC. And all I remember from that documentary is this young boy, he was a black black boy, um, always getting in trouble, all the rest of it. And I just remember him like going to looking at the teacher and just being like, you don't understand me. You don't listen to me. You don't, you don't know who I like. It was just so deep, Whitney. I felt like crying. It was just like, it just got to the root of why that model is just so flawed. Like just yeah. because you're a high achiever, it doesn't mean that you will automatically be a good teacher and understand the children that you've been sent in to go and teach there's just such a huge disconnect and I think when it comes to teaching yes I I, I feel for them honestly some of the stuff the, the violence the abuse that they're facing but equally there's just this lack of um, ability I think to connect with young people in these spaces and I've seen it as well partly I think it's due to all the red tape like you know the teachers get caught have to get caught and I understand we've got to safeguard kids I'm not saying don't safeguard kids <laughs> I get it but I, I feel like a lot of that covering their backs is getting in the way of people actually connecting with another human being and caring right. about them and you know wanting to help mm -hmm. yeah so yeah that always sticks out for me because I think teaching the profession of teaching has changed so much now I don't think it serves the purpose that it, it used to. So I think it's a Malcolm Gladwell podcast. I don't know. But it mm. talks about like during that period of desegregation in the States. And someone raised the question like, what would have happened if we would have or had teachers to go first versus kids? Interesting. Like what would that have mm. been like? But I also think about the shortage of, and I, pro I think about this stuff so much because I've just been so, so interested in like my family's history in the education system but um we talk about essentially like a shortage 
quote unquote of black teachers. I'm like, but there was a whole genocide of te- black teachers to where there were so many black teachers educating black kids with care and and love. And then with desegregation, a lot of them couldn't get jobs at the mm-hmm. at the schools, at the mm-hmm. integrated schools. So that literally like America, we have a problem. I think Britain has a problem too. Right? The world, <laughs> we have a problem. And we did and we I remember going to see that play a small island when I was there. Mm-hmm. And it talked about like women, it was more so women specifically coming over from the islands and coming like, oh, look at like I'm gonna keep my profession, I'm gonna be a teacher, like this is what mm-hmm. I want to do. Mm-hmm. I know we promised you you could come here and do all these things, have all these liberties because you fought in our army, but no. And now for this one's for me. Oh, I'm getting a massage on Friday, which is, yeah. I'm trying to commit. And also, like, in a couple of weeks, I'm getting a facial. Okay. Skin tight. Yeah. So I've, like, worked out a kind of mini schedule of things that I'm going to try and keep up on. Um, Just because, yeah, I just feel like I am doing things at home that are, that are oh, I got, a, I got a, um, an LED mask. Oh, you know, like okay. the red light, the red light. Yeah, yeah I got one of those. I'll just commit. I think I'm just going to commit to just 12 months of just looking after my skin. Let's see what happens. I love it. I love it. Well, you're already <laughs> looking good there. Thanks. Um, I, need, I need more. How yeah, about you? <laughs> I think that I'm just going to finish what I started, child. Like, let me just get this more. <laughs> finish what you started. Get it done. <laughs> get through the next few weeks and mm. get ready for the holidays oh my gosh it's coming it's coming fast oh, oh i forgot it's the most wonderful time don't do that because you know i'm ready <laughs> i am ready for ready okay uh, um, thank you paulette have a good few weeks Speak to you okay soon. you too okay Thank you for listening to this World Is Ours podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at World Is Ours Podcast or go to thisworldisours.com.